You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Hello, everyone, and welcome in here to the PowerCat Podcast. I'm Cole Carmody. With me today, my good friend Ryan Wallace. Yes, this is another podcast. This is another questions podcast, much like you hear our own Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert. On the podcast platform, we decided, you know what, why not try and do another one? There's so much to talk about with K-State Sports, and you know what, who better than Wally and I to kind of dig into some stuff. We got your questions from Wabash Station. Um, We have put those into StreamYard. We'll put those up there. You'll get a nice little shout-out, and we'll talk about some questions. Wally, there's just so much to discuss. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it hasn't been busy around K-State athletics or anything, right, Cole? <laughs> not there's at not, there's all. Not a, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Nothing, right? It's Every day it seems like there's something new. I mean, literally, it feels like every 15 minutes the past week or so, something's been coming out, whether it be the whole situation with Naquan Tomlin to recruiting. I know you and I have been very busy dealing with that, but it's a fun time. Yeah, I uh, I'm happy to just be the football guy right now. I, I'm I'm very content just worrying about football and the transfer portal and signing day because yeah I I I'm very happy being the football guy right now. Well, signing day's right around the corner. We'll get into some questions that deal with recruiting, but let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, the first question comes from Go State Kate. He says, "Am I caught in an abusive relationship with K State athletics?" <laughs> I know you're referring to everything that's going on that's around K State athletics the past few weeks. It's been quite the challenge as we kind of talked about to cover it. But, I mean, let's just kind of talk about everything. This is a good segue to kind of get your thoughts on not just, you know, the Naquan Tomlin situation, but the Colin Klein situation and really just everything else. Yeah, I mean, I'll again, I'll try and stick to football as much as I can here. That's more my bread and butter. That's really the lane that I want to stay in at the moment. Um, But when you think about football, I wonder if – Maybe the, again, with the Tomlin situation added into this, I wonder too, though, if the way that football finished Mm -hmm. adds to kind of the sour feeling right now. And I shouldn't say it's completely sour and we'll get into it more because uh, K-State football recruiting is starting to pick up a little bit. And there's obviously excitement around the bowl game, being able to see some of these new and younger faces uh, get more action in the bowl game or so we so we hope so we think um but i i really start to wonder when you think back if 
some of the, the the feelings that are lingering aren't just because Klaw and Klein left and aren't just, you know, because of maybe, you know, Will Howard's exit to the transfer portal and, you know, Ben Sinnott going to the NFL draft and not having a chance to see those guys play again in purple. But the lackluster kind of showing that they had down the stretch, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's Iowa State. But let's be honest, Cole, even before Iowa State, the Sunflower Showdown yeah. in Lawrence wasn't really the greatest performance. Yep. And yep. so I, I start to think, you know, had they gone out and taken care of business against the Jayhawks in a little bit more of a commanding fashion, if they had, even in a loss to Iowa State, if they, they had played a little bit better, if all of that wouldn't have snowballed quite the way that we've seen into the month of December. Um, but either way, this is a month, this is their chance to rebound, finish on a high note, and get fans excited for the year to come with, you know, again, as we've laid out before, all of the things on their yeah. to-do list this month. Uh, I don't envy that the, the coaching staff at the Veneer Complex right now, but, uh, you know, again, they have as much as kind of as, 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 uh, as much as, as, wow, okay, let's try this again, folks. <laughs> Words. As much as, as has been taken, I think, from Kansas State and from the coaching staff, I think the same could be said that there's still a lot on their plate and there's still, uh, you know, a chance for them to rebound and have, again, fans be very eager for 2024 laying ahead. I think you said snowball earlier, literally snowballed. It feels like ever since that Iowa State game, things have literally gone downhill um, for this, not necessarily the program, because I still think the program's in a really good shape. I mean, we'll dig into that a little bit. I think this program is fine. They're, they're going to be fine, but everything kind of happened at once, right? I think yeah. that's part of the reason fans are so anxious is when you throw in that situation and really, well, you want to throw in the basketball team, kind of underperforming maybe to fans expectations oh sure um, that that's probably part of the reason why there's a lot of people that are just frustrated with everything and anytime you know you don't play a game right like that's the thing about football if that iowa state game would have happened a week before or two weeks before well you can flush it out of your system and play another game but that's how you end and right. so it it feels really really bad as a fan and and quite honestly you know those guys in the locker room are extremely frustrated and there's nobody that wants to take that and reverse that day and make that day never happen more than those guys inside of that veneer complex but really it just comes down to how do you stay the course and so i mean i'm i understand why fans are upset and i especially understand it with the backdrop of everything that's going on with um, of course, you know, the president and Coach Tang and those comments, and I understand all that. There, there's really no need to to dig into that much more, but I, I understand why fans are frustrated because it is. It's been a hard time. Well, and I think back to – I keep thinking back to the schedule here, and, you know, it's been so long since we've played football, I'm having to remind myself of the schedule. But, you know, the, K-State goes 8-4, and four, but, again, I think they had a chance in my mind to really come back and maybe – finish on a little bit more of a high note to where it would have felt more like, um, you know, a, a typical eight and four season or, mm-hmm. or uh, even a nine and three season if they had beaten Iowa state on senior night, because, you know, even though they lost to Texas and there was a lot of things about that game that were frustrating, you lose to a team that ends up being in the college football playoff by three points and four yards away. Right. <laughs> and you're coming off two dominating, three dominating. If you go back mm-hmm. to Texas Tech, 
the defense didn't dominate that game, but Avery Johnson, the offense did three dominating wins in a row there. You go at Texas, you lose, as you said, by the narrowest of margins. If they had just come back, done what they did against Baylor, and then continued carrying that momentum through Kansas and Iowa State, and again, I understand that that's easier said than done. Kansas statistically has been one of the better teams in the Big 12 this season, even if the record didn't didn't show it. And Iowa State on defense, even had the snow not happened, I think right. that would have been a tough matchup for Kansas State. But again, it's just kind of the way that things floundered at the end mm-hmm. um, that, I, again, I don't think that helped matters as we entered the month of December. It, well, it was an eight and four year Cole that in a lot of ways didn't really feel as good as eight and four should feel. If the losses are placed differently throughout the season, eight and four looks a whole heck of a lot different than how it did at the end of the year. Right, right. Yep. Uh, that kind of brings us to our next question here from AmeriCat. Uh, any locker room concerns for football? His question also mentioned the transfer portal um, and some specific maybe uh, family members or outspoken people uh, regarding the status of the program of the transfers. I don't really want to call anybody out because I don't think that necessarily does any good. Everybody's different for transfers. Personally, as far as concerns go, I, I I don't really have much. I'm curious what you think. Well, I mean, in terms of the family stuff, right, um, that dynamic is going to differ depending on who you talk to. And you're going to get outspoken folks that are, you know, if you want to call it happy that they're out, uh, happy that their son is, is off the team, uh, just as much as you're going to talk to people that are upset and, mm-hmm. and um, sad and unfortunate that, that it took place, right? Uh, and uh, there's been publicly one on each side. Uh, and there've been other parents that have kind of chosen to be more behind the scenes. And those that I've talked to are, have been very gracious, very mm-hmm. thankful for their son's time at Kansas state. And for one reason or other, sometimes it's that the the son Cole wants to leave and the parents are like, please think about yeah. this. Uh, and then other times it's a mutual decision on both parties, including the parents. Um, but again, I think it, it's, you know, it's kind of like when you think about message boards, right, that um, unfairly or sometimes maybe fairly, depending on whatever whatever the site is. And I'm not even just talking about Kansas State. You can go to think about Memphis. You can think about Seahawks, you know, or Kansas City Chiefs chat rooms, right? Oh, boy. You The, the vocal minority kind of takes over in those situations. And so you have to step back for a second and remind yourself uh, that there are other people that might not be speaking their voice that have a completely mm-hmm. different opinion uh, and you can't let your get yourself get swept up on what you see online. But I will say this, Cole. I want to get in a little bit to the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have an entire article that I don't think is ever going to see the light of day at Go Power Cat because I started writing it and I've rev- revised it a million times. It doesn't read easily because I feel like in a lot of ways I could just explain my opinion and my angle to this a lot better than trying to write it out. But I've been going back and forth in my head about a lot of people that I've seen. Again, I I shouldn't be referencing the vocal minority, but I'm going to reference the vocal minority here again. Because I do think in this case it, it is more of a universally accepted opinion is that the transfer portal exits that we've seen from Kansas State this cycle really haven't been stingers. They really haven't been huge impact players or contributors, guys that are, quote, irreplaceable, right? 
And I think to a large extent that that has proven true, at least from a statistical standpoint or what we expected. Right. I mean, Will Howard, very few of us expected that he would return. That wasn't really a surprise. Trayshawn Ward might have been a little bit of a surprise. But again, I think you and I agreed that I didn't even though he had an extra year of eligibility, I never went into this season think that he that he would utilize it. Right. Um, and again, we, I've, I've gone on record to talking about, do I think they could have used Trayshawn Ward differently? Yes. But again, he's not somebody that's irreplaceable. So really, when you start to think about it, you know, there's guys like Kobe Savage, Nate Matlack. And I think depending on what side of the fence you fall on, maybe a guy like Will Lee, right? Mm-hmm. But everybody else, it seems like it's kind of been universally accepted that, oh, well, you know, we'll get better. We'll, we'll find more guys. You know, the, these guys probably weren't fit for this level, what have you. I'm about to go on a real tangent here, Cole. So just, you know, oh boy, you here we go. Or, here's where here's where I stand on this. Uh, on one end of the spectrum, there's that. There's, you know what? These guys aren't irreplaceable. We can find guys that are better. And we can improve and we can get some of these guys that really weren't making an impact out of the way so we can fill with guys that are going to make a bigger impact. Here's, though, the problem specifically with a program to me like K-State that is it's blueprint. It's it's blood is in development. It's Mm -hmm. a developmental program. It will always be a developmental program. And what I mean by that is they're going to always be got they're always going to be a program that can't live on four and five star athletes they're going to always have to take some guys that slip through the cracks some guys that other power fives don't think are worthy to play at their level and they're going to have to coach and build those guys up based on some of their strengths and make them into players that we've become accustomed to watching at kansas state so to me the the problem here when you start to see this happen year over year and granted, we did not see it happen last year. So maybe that's part of the reason why we're seeing some bigger numbers this year mm-hmm. is when you win a Big 12 title, there's a lot of guys that kind of tap the brakes a little bit on whether they want to leave or not. Mm-hmm. Like, we got a good thing going here. Maybe I want to stick around and be a part of this. Then you kind of have the year like you have this year and you get more of those guys that are like, no, on second thought, I, I think I do want out of here. But here's where, and I started to find some stats here, so bear with me. You start to go through, and I went back and I found um, some other coaches that were hired in 2019 when Chris Kleiman was to look and see if maybe there are other like programs that have experienced the kind of mass departures that we've seen from their 2020 and 2021 classes like we've seen at K-State. Bear in mind here, folks, that between the 2020 and the 2021 classes, I did it uh, based on our 247 database and the commitments. K-State has witnessed an exit rate between those two classes of 69.5%. Wow. Poll, almost 70% of the scholarship guys they've signed are no longer here. The thing about that is, and I'm going to let you keep going here in a second. No, you're good. You're good. I've seen some people say, oh, well, they kept the right guys. Well, right. yeah, they kept the right guys because those are the guys that are playing. But right. you're, you're not referencing the guys that aren't playing. You're talking about the guys that left. Right. So had those guys stayed, they would be playing too. But right. continue on. 69.5%. So that forces this staff staff's hand to not only fill those 32 roster vacancies, scholarship roster vacancies, not preferred walk-ons, mm-hmm. but again, 
not only replace them, but attempt to replace them with like, if not better talent. And Kansas State, if you look at the averages, you know, outside of the 2023 class, which we can talk more about here in a second, that they're not, they haven't proven that it's just going to continually get better across the board, right? I think year over year, Kleiman's gotten a little bit better, but each year there are areas where you're like, well, maybe that's not as strong as it looks on paper. Maybe that's not as strong as it looks on paper. So anyway, getting back to the 2019 coaches, I went and looked and I decided to focus on Maryland's Mike Loxley, North Carolina's Matt Brown and West Virginia's Neil Brown. Okay. I think that those are all programs that, you know, you can debate, you know, where they stand between K-State K- if you want to compare. Very them. like I, programs. I think for the most part, yeah. when you think about NIL, when you think about their stature in their respective conferences, where they sit geographically, maybe there's some things where they could recruit a little bit easier. But overall, they've got equal, if not better competition to play around with out there and try and out recruit. I like those three. Right. Mm-hmm. So you look and you look at Mac Brown. Uh, Mac Brown and UNC have gone 23 and 16 over the past three years. Their exit rate is 44%. Mm. You look at Mike Loxley at Maryland. They've gone 22 and 16. Their exit rate is 48%. Mm. You look at Neil Brown and West Virginia, who has gone 19 and 18 in the same timeline. And we think about all the guys that West Virginia had lost coming out of that the coaching change, yep. right? And yep. how well, you know, what's going on in, in Morgantown with Neil Brown? Even their classes of 20 and 2021 are 60% exit mm. rate. Mm. So they're losing guys, but it's still almost 10% less than what K-State has witnessed. And so it comes back to me, Cole, of how do you have a program that's 26 and 13 since 2021? including a Fiesta Bowl and a Big 12 championship, and they're the ones struggling with roster retention. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, it comes back because at the end of the day, a lot of the fillers that they keep losing are the ones that are now supposed to be bridging the gap between your first string and your scout team. Right. And here's where this becomes a problem. And here's where you laugh at you know the Jordan Perrys of the world mm-hmm. and all these guys that are leaving, right? Yeah, they weren't making a huge difference. But the problem is this over time can become detrimental to your program because it sets you back. In a lot of ways, if those guys in 2020 and 2021 had turned out the way that they were supposed to, or or more of them even, had just taken the progression that you want if you're K-State, you don't have Jacob Parrish starting as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And Jacob Parrish has turned into a good player. Should Jacob Parrish be starting at the Big 12 level on a Power 5 team as a sophomore. And he, sh- he and should be that that That's third. He should have redshirted last year, right? Like, he should have redshirted last year yes. and the third cornerback this year to where the next year he's ready to take one of those starting spots. Jace Brown turned into a really good player. Jace Brown proved himself to be worthy of starting and playing heavily for K-State this season. Perfect world, Jace Brown should not see the field as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a handful of those guys that are really good. But again, if you're talking developmentally, the structure that I think Chris Kleinman would love to see play out is if you're a freshman, you're redshirting. Aside from a couple, I'm not saying overall. In general, you're, you know, you're freshman, you're you're gonna redshirt. Your redshirt freshmen, your sophomores are dipping their toes in the water. A few of them might be ready, 
Otherwise, they're dipping their toes in the water. They're getting more acclimated in their first year or two. Junior year, you're starting to contribute more. You're teetering with the third, second team to where by the by your senior year and thereafter, if you've you know got a six-year of eligibility or whatever, you are now either a starter or you are heavily involved in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And so again, when you start losing guys, and again, I'm not even talking as much about not even this portal class, you go back and start looking at some of the other guys that they've lost. I'm going to pull it up here while I've got it handy, Cole. But I'm thinking back to, um, let's go 2023. Bear with me here, folks. Uh, You think back to guys like uh, Jalen Clem. Mm -hmm. You think about Omar Daniels. Yep. You think about uh, Whit Mitchum. Crew Jackson's a great example. Yes, that is. He would have played this year. TJ Smith. Yep. Those are guys that, again, in ideal world, were good enough or if you'd given them a little bit more time, again, if they wanted to stay. Some of those guys might be homesick, and that's a whole nother, whole nother deal. But when you start to lose that many guys, uh, you lose that bridge. And so instead of Chris Kleiman and them being able to get to what their bread and butter is, which is finding those lower-level guys – and, and finding the guys that other programs don't think maybe are quite as good and being able to build them up, like Felix Anudike Uzama, like um, all the other guys that we've seen that have become you know more impact players, like a Jace Brown who is lower in, in this class. That's what, where this staff's bread and butter is. Allowing them to get back to that, allowing them to maybe just focus on instant impact transfer guys. Now they're having to do that along with trying to maybe get some guys that are more uh, bulk of the roster, more meat of the roster. And so then you're getting guys into the program and you've got a Jace Brown that maybe was intended to be scout team. And you're going, we, we can't have you be scout team. We need, we need you to go now. Trey Spivey, we need you now because, you know, I don't want to throw guys around here, but it's like the, the Tyson Strubers of the world aren't, they're not painting out. Right. And so a lot of those guys are leaving and you, again, that bridge just collapse. And so unfortunately you're having to constantly get guys quicker. You're speeding up the progression. And to me, again, in a developmental program, the problem that, that, that comes up with this is that it forces a recruiting staff that isn't really known for going out and getting guys that can come in that maybe only need a year or two to get ready. Again, their bread and butter is finding guys that need maybe two to three to four years to get mm-hmm. ready. And you're now asking them to get out of their comfort zone from a recruiting side of things. And so again, long winded answer is I think it's easier for people to look at the recruiting rankings and say, well, we're better off just getting these two star guys anyway, because that's who the staff develops better to some extent. Yes. But you cannot afford, I think K-State's done a great job Cole, at evaluating, scouting, recruiting, landing, the top tier guys. Yeah. Not just Avery Johnson, but you know, Will Howard was considered a top tier guy in mm-hmm. his class. They got the most out of him. VJ Payne was considered a top tier guy in his class. He's lived up to that billing. Again, Avery Johnson, Asa Newsom was headed that direction until the injury this year. And they've done a really good job at identifying the lower level guys, the the Felix Anudiques, the DJ Giddens was more of yeah. a blue shirt, but you know, Jace Brown, uh Chidi Obiezar. Those type of guys where they seem to be finding themselves in between a rock and a hard place 
is maybe taking a, a few too many gambles in the heart of you know their their recruiting classes where the depth is going to be and that's where again i think it's very easy to toss a lot of these transfers to the side a guy like wesley watson a guy that did not play this year a guy that you know on the surface no big deal will find somebody that's got four year four years of eligibility just like wesley and it's no big deal but wesley watson was a guy had he been healthy that probably would have been playing some special teams mm-hmm. this year Wesley Watson is a guy that come next year, if he's still around, knows the playbook. There isn't that transition that he has to make. Uh, And so now you're trying to bring guys in that even if they're better than Wesley Watson, might still need that transition here. And so, again, long, long long-winded answer here is, yes, K-State has the ability now to go out and improve, to get better players. And from that angle, these transfers maybe aren't that big of a deal. But when you start to lose significant chunks of your class and not just preferred walk-ons, scholarship guys, guys that Kansas State looked at and said, you are good enough to, to do this at our school and they're not panning out or, you know, there are uh, attitude issues, character concerns, guys that aren't giving effort. Um, you know, there's maybe some red flags that were missed. You start to have bulk of classes start to leave like that. It puts you in a position that, again, I don't think K-State really wants to be in as a developmental program. (sighs) This is a perfect time to take a break. (laughs) I I ran us out of the first half. This is a perfect time to take a break. I have nothing to add on that question. This is, no, this is not done. We're gonna take a quick break here on the Powercat Podcast. We'll be back with a whole lot more transfer portal and everything else, K-State Athletics. We'll be back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Back in here on the PowerCat Podcast, Cole Carmody along with Ryan Wallace. Um, you bring up great points in your in your last answer, and we're going to get back into some questions here in a second. But there's a lot of guys that you talked about that I think very easily could have left, right? Like that, that were in that group of guys that if they left at the time, fans would have said, oh, it's no big deal. And quite honestly, maybe the coaching staff might have thought, oh, it's no big deal. One right. of those guys is DJ Giddens. If yep. DJ Giddens leaves after his redshirt season, uh, he's a blue shirt, eh, it's not no big deal. You know, Daniel Green, he was around before the transfer portal was even a thing. If Daniel Green leaves after his redshirt freshman season when he hardly played, oh, it's no big deal. You know, that those are the kind of guys that need to stick around Kansas State. I don't think they're getting back to this question here from America. I'll show it up there so fans can kind of remember what we were talking about. I don't necessarily think there's any locker room concerns. I think this no. is just the modern age of A, college football, and B, this is where things are heading. And as unfortunate as it is for K-State, that's just kind of the state of the program right now that they're going to have to try and find a way to convince kids 
to stick around. And that leads us right into one of our next can, questions. Can I bring, bring up one oh, more yeah. thing real sure. quick? Just because, and I, I meant to say this, and you brought it up, and I think that's mm -hmm. very accurate, is I, I do think that that's one area. It's not just about recruiting better at K-State. I think some of it, too, is K-State has has a right to be very high about their culture. What Chris Kleiman has built is outstanding in terms of the foundation, in terms of getting guys, you know, to think universally and collectively about pounding the stone and getting better, <clears throat> excuse me, every day. And I think by and large, this locker room is incredibly united. And we've, I think we saw that at times this season. Yeah, there were some guys that didn't buy in. Maybe some of them are in the transfer portal for that reason. But I do think, Cole, as you just accurately stated, that roster retention has got to be something that they put a little bit more yep. emphasis on moving forward. I do think that there are signs of K-State. It's not being lackadaisical, but in, in a sense, maybe thinking that their culture is good enough to keep guys around. You know, that, that things are, we're good here. Everybody's happy. I think maybe they need to have, I, I, and again, I don't know the structure uh, uh, throughout the season. Maybe they are having weekly meetings with guys and trying to figure out where guys are. But I think just maybe not waiting around until the end, uh, is, if they do that, I hope they don't, to kind of see where guys are, trying to get a little bit better gauge of roster retention so that you're not scrambling to you know figure things out there at the end of the, of the season. Because I do think, as you said, Cole, even the greatest cultures – even if you're going, you know, 13 and 0 are going to have guys that just are going to be intrigued by the transfer portal and getting a fresh start. K-State's got to put a little bit more emphasis on on roster retention. If they're guys that you don't think are going to work out here, that's fine, but then you got to know, <laughs> you got to start kind of seeing preparing for that in yep. advance that okay, we thought maybe we needed to develop mental guys, say it outside linebacker we might need a guy that's a little bit more ready to go, mm -hmm. you know, and you can start that process in September instead of November, December. Well, you bring up a great point about guys being happy. And, and one way to, to talk about guys being happy, unfortunately, in this new landscape, uh, Topeka Tomcat, by the way, new subscriber. So welcome to the website. First post, actually, in this questions thread. So shout out to you. Um, can K-State be competitive in the NIL space was the gist of his question. I, I'm going to take this first because I think a lot of it, unfortunately, we've seen some NIL stuff out there. And, and I, I hope people understand that a lot of the stuff that's being floated out there, there's a lot of inaccuracies, first of all, that um, are there's a lot of rumors like that's the day and age we live in is that there are a lot of rumors. Yes, K-State is very competitive in the in the NIL space. That's that's part of the reason why a kid, you know, like an Avery Johnson, K-State, Avery Johnson didn't come to K-State because of NIL. But it definitely didn't hurt, right? Like anytime you can right. offer that to a recruit, that's going to help. And let it be known that um, they're not allowed to offer recruits any kind of NIL package. That is a completely different, um, different you know, sector of athletics. But I mean, as far as the collectives go, I, I do think K-State is competitive. You've seen it in basketball. I mean, you don't land a five-star recruit regardless of the great culture that this coaching staff is building there is NIL behind that. And so, I mean, that's just the way that the college sports works. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think people look at NIL, the connotation of NIL is if you have a lot of NIL, then you're a shady program. Uh, shady, by the way, that's what I said. I didn't say anything. I, I heard there. you. Shady. <laughs> um, 
It's, I don't I don't believe that to be true. I think if you have a competitive NIL, you're doing your athletes a favor. And um, I think they have a competitive NIL. Could it be better? For sure. But I, I just – when players leave and the rumor is because that it is NIL-related, I don't believe that's because K-State can't compete in that landscape. Yeah, yeah. I, I think – for me with NIL from, and again, that's kind of a realm that I do my best to stay out of. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those things where like ignorance is bliss. Like I know it's happening, but I would really rather not know the numbers. I right. definitely don't really want to report on numbers um, and, and any of that kind of thing. But the gist of what I've gotten from K-State's NIL landscape is that I think by and large, it's probably better than the average fan, certainly the national outsider would probably give it credit for. I think they've got a lot of folks that are eager and that have proven they'll put, they'll pony up some dollars, right? Um, For Kansas state athletes, I think, and I've said this publicly um, without pointing fingers super hard. <laughs> uh, but I, I think by and large, though, there's folks at the controls. And I, when I say controls, I'm not talking about those with the money, those that are in charge of these collectives. So you can you get the gist of what I'm saying when I'm say folks at the controls um, are just kind of apathetic towards it, mm-hmm. are just kind of passive about it. I think that there's still kind of a belief that like, w- we can still win and we can still do a lot of great things without NIL. And yeah, I think part of that is true, but I think part of that is you, we've seen now it's, it's, it's here to stay. And we hope that there's more guardrails on it. We hope that there's, uh, you know, better just restrictions and, and what have you so that it's not the wild, wild west. But at the same time, like it's one of those things that like, if everybody else is doing it, you, you kind of got to do it. And I'm going to use KU as an example here. And it's not to say that KU is doing anything differently than Kansas State. So I don't want anyone listening to say, oh, well, Wally said that this is how KU is doing it. And this is that means K-State isn't. I'm just using them as an example because, again, I in some ways, I almost feel more comfortable talking about what I've heard from the KU side mm-hmm. as I do from the K-State side in a weird way. But I think KU, I think Chris Kleiman and Lance Leipold aren't all that uh, uh, you know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're a lot more alike in this area yes. than I think, than I think maybe you would assume, I don't know. Um, but from what I've gathered about KU is they've got a lot of interest in the NIL market. They're starting to really put some dollars up, which you kind of expected all along. And you were like, mm-hmm. where, why, why can't KU win guys? They're finally starting to do that. It's not just being focused and directed towards basketball anymore, but I think Lance Leipold's done something, and again, I think Chris Kleiman's probably doing this as well, but it's like, here's the limit that I'm going to put on it. Right. This is, I'd, I'd rather not, you know, start to go above said number for to get guys. If, if we got to go above that, they're probably guys that I don't want here in the first place. Mm-hmm. But anything we got to do within that number, let's, let's go for it. Let's, mm-hmm. let's take a shot. And so I think for K-State, I, again, I think the pieces are there but you got to kind of put the puzzle together. I think you've got a lot of really engaged folks that want to see K-State do well, and they're willing to, again, back it. But I also think K-State, those in control, got to say, all right, let's 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 put some strategy behind this and maybe start thinking a little bit more outside the box to make this, to make this happen. And I'll give one example here, Cole. 
And I, again, this is an example because I do want to show that K-State has done this in the past and they're willing to do things like this, but how often? I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but, you know, you see the stuff like the Wagyu beef, right? They're big on it. Uh, and you see some other public facing things like the Robbins Motor Company and that sort of thing. But Law MacArthur. Law MacArthur. Mm-hmm. But there's some other things that I think you'll you'll see other schools do. And we K-State just hasn't done it maybe in the in the limelight as much. And maybe they should. Maybe at a place like K-State, you need to do this more, this outside the box stuff. But like Eli Huggins, I was told, was kind of toying back and forth with whether he wanted to return to K-State last year. Thank God he did, because he ended up being enormous for Kansas State. But one of the ways that I was told that K-State kind of swung him in that direction, because he loved K-State, but it was just like, you know, I'm kind of done with academics and everything. Apparently, Eli Huggins loves to play golf. (laughs) And they were able to team with Colbert Hills to get him a golf package to where he could go play Colbert Hills. All right. And there you go. And and so that's the type of stuff that I think – there, there are ways and there are angles where I think K-State could could make more with less, if you want to put it that way, even mm-hmm. though I don't think they're as low as people think they are. Uh, but you've got to have guys that are ready and willing to do it. And I think for whatever reason, Cole, we've seen there are, there's still some hesitancy on K-State's part, part to really get around a table and say, let's put our heads together and and figure this thing out so that we can start to – uh, put together and, and be more competitive on a power five level. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Um, last question here, as we start to wrap up the podcast, one, we might go off the rails on. So apologize in advance, uh, but that's why you're listening. Uh, Harry Dangler. It's an interesting name. Once again, another or a new subscriber. Welcome to the website is football recruiting, picking up momentum. Wait, is that what I said? Yeah. What does it say? Is football picking up recruiting momentum? Uh, same thing. Um, this is going to be fun to watch because it is fast and furious. Like I haven't looked at my phone since we've been recording this, but it wouldn't surprise me if K State has like seven portal yeah. commits already. <laughs> right? Like any minute, stuff can break. I mean, Easton Kilty, uh, the North Dakota transfer, committed to K State at about nine fifteen on Instagram. Thank goodness you saw that. Um, I definitely didn't see it. He hasn't used his Twitter since 2019, but he decided to post all of his offers except K-State. And then all of a sudden he comes on a visit, commits to K-State, and that's momentum right there. Um, There have been some other visitors on campus. There are expected to be other visitors this weekend on campus. So the answer to the question is yes. Um, Will we see commits? I would imagine so. Um, Who that would be, we'll find out, but yeah, they're starting to kind of piece together that class. Um, signing day, obviously, as we talked about, is coming up. I, it's it's here, and it's fast and furious. This is an enormous weekend for K-State recruiting um, because I think the longer you start to get into this transfer portal window, and what I mean by, you know, the longer you go, I mean into the month of December, it's a 30-day window. So I think it's uh, there's a couple days after – like the new year where mm-hmm. a kid could still jump in. And again, it when, when I say the window, that doesn't mean like the door closes and, and coaches aren't allowed to still get guys out of the transfer portal. It just means you can't go in. There will not be any more new faces going in after uh, trying to remember like the fifth, maybe of January, yeah. Yeah, 6th of January, right. something like that. Um, so anyway, as we've, as we've already seen in college football, the those that 
strike early are the ones that, you know, strike hot because mm-hmm. the, the earlier you can get on guys, the better, because um, the transfer portal moves incredibly quick. You've got, you're dealing with a lot of kids that it's more NFL like from what I'm told, there was a power five coach that I reached out to, to kind of ask about the transfer portal. And he said, it's becoming very NFL like where the recruiting goes incredibly quick. And so if you don't strike quickly, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. These kids have already been wined and dying. A lot of them, they know exactly what they want. Uh, they know exactly the questions they want you to answer. And if you don't have it and th- they don't have time to dilly dally around. And so again, the longer you get through into this window, the less chance that you're going to maybe get some of the guys that would help you most. Yeah. Right. And so from what I'm hearing, there could be, I think up to like seven, maybe eight transfers on uh, K-State's campus this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see several guys that they, obviously they're bringing them on a visit. They really want uh, a couple DBs. I think um, Jordan Riley from Ball State that they just offered. I think he's supposed to be there. I had heard, I'm still trying to confirm, Savion Riley from Vanderbilt is another safety that I think they've liked. Uh, I don't know if they've offered publicly. Again, they're kind of weird Kansas State's doing a lot yeah. of stuff behind the scenes this year Easton Kilty being a prime example um, where he was apparently offered like two days into his into the transfer portal and he listed all the offers but K-State <laughs> why K-State wouldn't want that publicly facing to say like hey we've arrived and we're gonna get the number two offensive right. tackle in the transfer portal why they like kind of snuck in behind the scenes onto campus is interesting to me. Uh, I don't know if they're trying again to like hide him from other teams that could get him on campus, but anyway, they're doing a lot behind the scenes, Cole. And Mm -hmm. uh, so there could be a lot of other guys that we're not even aware of that that could be visiting. But again, I think Jordan Riley, we know for a fact it's confirmed Josiah Galvin, the DB from Northern Iowa will be in town. Uh, Trent Hudson, I believe is coming to town from New Mexico state. They might also get the UTEP wide receiver, in town as well this weekend so just massive because if you get out of this weekend without some of those guys committing you start to think about the timeline here cole you've got early signing day coming up the following wednesday so k-state's going to be trying to you know tie the bow on their high school class which could include maybe adding some some late steals to that class and in addition to trying to retain some guys right um, that have been pried upon uh, and so then a couple days after that, you start to kind of near the quote holiday season and guys are gearing up to go to Orlando for mm-hmm. the bowl game. And again, it's not like K-State can't recruit while they're in Orlando for the Pop-Tarts Bowl, but like, will they? You, you can't host anybody from Orlando. So this is an enormous stretch of days coming up late this week, this weekend, and maybe kind of into next week. Because after that, I just don't know if there's going to be a lot of time for K-State to, uh, you know, really do the damage that I think they want and need to do in the portal. After these, that. Are, these are the guys on their A-list, right? Yeah. That's that's kind of the way you got to look at it. You have your A-list and then you have your backup options. And as they will never, ever admit that um, to, to a kid publicly, what have you, but you have the kids that you want to go after. And so if they don't get these kids, they have another group of kids who they're very much willing to go after. But you're right. I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's a crazy time. I, I think this transfer portal class could be as big as the high school class, if not bigger. Um, I don't 
you know, especially the early signing day class. It depends on, you know, who decides to leave after the bowl game is maybe they'll add um, a few players to their high school class after early right. signing day. Right. Um, I think the signing day class is pretty much set in stone. We saw Blake Barnett, uh, Taylor Bratt was out to visit him. Um, puts out a picture, says, I can't wait to be a K-State Wildcat. You know, that was one guy that I know fans were really curious about. The all-time touchdowns leader in Colorado prep history. Um, so that's a guy I think you got to feel confident about maybe retaining. Um, but again, there's just so many guys in the transfer portal that K-State are on that nobody knows about. And so there's some intrigue there, but, you know, we'll find out at some point. Yeah. I mean, again, this is, the, like you said, the most, the bulk of their high school class is pretty much set in stone as long as, you know, everybody sticks around. And for the most part, it doesn't look like anybody is itching to leave anywhere. So uh, getting those guys retained and, and signed on Wednesday, but then also, again, trying not to let many of these guys get off of or get out of town this weekend without committing because again you just start flirting with more teams trying to get involved guys wanting to take some extra visits so uh, as much as kansas state can do to try and finish this thing out as best they can with all but you know maybe one or two spots still left try and get it done by signing day if you didn't have an excuse to go to the basketball game on sunday uh, already <laughs> with yeah. everything else going on uh, k-state hosts nebraska at two o'clock on sunday there's going to be a lot of fireworks. You would imagine uh, those players would be in attendance. Well, Wally, thanks so much. Um, this has been fun. We only got to four questions. That's because all we do is talk. Yeah, I went again. I, I kind of ran the clock out on number two, and it was a hard one to, for me to try to explain. But hopefully I kind of sort of maybe explain myself a little bit with bridging the gap the, the conversations are timely that's all that yeah. matters okay we appreciate we appreciate your support don't forget we do have a sale here at go power cat 60 off uh, make sure you head on over subscribe to go power cat subscribe to the youtube channel we really appreciate it, it helps us grow give us a like and um follow us everywhere on social media we we definitely appreciate it i'm cole that's wally thanks everybody so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.